0: Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on today's podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Okay, well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you today. If you're um, watching online, welcome. So glad you're joining uh, with us too. As Helen said, we are in this three-week series called The Comparison Trap where somehow many if not all of us can easily get into the habit of comparing ourselves with other people or other situations to try and work out where we fit and how well uh, we're doing and um, a man called Andy Stanley that this series is based um, on one of um, his series he explains it this way he says that there is no win in comparison there's no win. Because as Emily said last week, for all of us, we will find people who, are, who have an er over us. They will have. So they will be richer. They will be skinnier. They will be smarter. They will be taller. They will be happier. They will be cooler. In fact, some people will even be beardier. My son-in-law still beats me. Do you know what? I saw a picture of myself um, just the other day. I thought I was looking at Uncle Albert. uh, Honestly, it was that grey. So I am grayer. So I guess I can win on that one, uh, but that's about all. But the problem is is that when we do this, when when we try and compare ourselves to, uh, to other people, we find ourselves that we are caught in this. We are caught in a trap. And it's very hard to get out of that trap. For some of us or some people that we will know, being an er as in being better, faster smarter isn 't good enough because they want to be an est because they want to be the best they want to be the um, uh, the pretty est the smartest and the problem is is that if you 're working towards being one of those, the issue is is that at one point you will still come up against someone who is more er than your est. Because you will get older and younger people will come through who will be better than you. And so it just can pull us down so much. That's why there is no win in comparison. There's no finish line. There's no sense of satisfaction. In fact, if you compare yourselves to others and to what other people are doing and how well they're doing it, you, you and I will not find peace. It takes away peace because it's a trap. And it creates an angst and a frustration and a disappointment uh, in us. And as I was getting ready for this morning, I just recognised that I am as vulnerable to the comparison trap as every other person here today. Or every other person watching today. A few months ago, a friend of mine who's a church leader down in Andover, um, he'd emailed to say that, um, since he'd arrived at the church uh, that he now leads, that uh, they have seen amazing growth. They've seen families coming and joining. They've seen more people doing Alpha than ever before, and they've seen more Christians and more baptisms. Uh, and I emailed back uh, and I said, "Chris, I am so happy for you. That sounds so exciting." And then a little while later, another friend of mine, a guy called Leon Evans, um, uh, that he had contacted, and he talked about their Easter services, that they'd had over a 1,000 people along to their Easter services. They've now got three locations, and I talked on Friday with one of their location leaders who was saying, Honestly, the number of people that we're seeing coming uh, and with people who are finding faith in the baptisms. And, do you know, and I chatted with him and I said, this is so exciting. I absolutely love it. And do you know what? I wish I could finish it there, but I can't. Because there was something about receiving those emails and something about talking with this guy on Friday um, that made me realise that they're doing better than I am. And it made me realise that they're they're seeing more Christians than than we're seeing here. Uh, And and where does that take me? I'll tell you where it takes me. It takes me to think I'm a rubbish leader. That I can't do it very well. That these guys are great communicators. That these guys are, are 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 the quality leaders. And oh, how far short I fall. And where does that trap take me? It takes me to feeling rubbish. Now, if that can happen to me, it definitely happens to you, but it won't necessarily be in that area. So where is it that you bring about a comparison with others? Because wherever that is, at times you will see and and hear other things which you can be celebrating, but inside it makes you feel rubbish. You might feel like a rubbish husband because you know someone who seems to be doing so well with their kids. Or a rubbish wife because they seem to cope so well. You might feel like you're a rubbish parent uh, because other kids seem to be behaving so much better than ours do. We might feel like we're not very talented, that we're not good enough. And have you ever asked why you feel those things? If you look at the root cause of it, nearly always, not always, but nearly always... It will be down to the fact that we've seen someone who is better than us and we fall short. It's a trap. That's why we've tried to make the words as bright as possible because honestly, and I need to have it for myself, it just shines off my ball patch. But, um, uh, um, but honestly, it is a trap and it's a trap that you and I, we have to find our way of getting out of that trap. Why do we do it? Why do we compare? Well, it's because there's a whisper in the back of our minds saying, I wonder if I'm okay. I wonder how I'm measuring up. I wonder if I'm going to make the grade. I wonder if he or she will keep on loving me. I wonder if I will always be accepted. I wonder how my kids will view me when they grow older. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. And we wonder, there's this whisper that goes on in our heads. So what do we do? We look around and we see, so, well, I need to compare myself with someone to find out, how am I doing? We want to find our reference point. In a sense, we are desperate to try and be reassured. So if we can find people a little less than us, that will just make us feel a little bit better for a while. Am I OK? How am I doing? Now what I love about the Christian faith, what I love about Jesus, what I love about having a relationship with God is that he is able to give an explanation as to where that whisper comes from but also gives us a solution too. So I am dead excited about today and if you're a Christian, do you know what? I am almost certain that if you've been a Christian for any length of time, You are not going to learn lots new, but you are going to be reminded of a life-changing truth. C.S. Lewis once said this, he said this, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. And that's true. Because, you see, we can so easily forget what is central, what's foundational, what's really, really important. It can be cluttered out with other information, less important information. So people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. But for some of you here, you might be either new to faith or you might still be exploring faith. And I just want to say, if you're watching online and perhaps you would place yourself in one of those places, one of those positions, then just I want to ask that you would listen with an open mind. And maybe for you, Christianity has been kind of portrayed to you as it's just about a list of rules that you're supposed to be um, uh, obeying. And if you're good enough, you'll get to heaven. And that might be just how how you've kind of viewed Christianity. I tell you, it is something so much more than that. And what's so amazing is that it's so relevant that it speaks into our current situation of the comparison trap of where we compare ourselves with others. So I want to read to you some verses written by a man called Paul. Um, These words were written about 20, 25 years after Jesus had been crucified and had risen again. And so um, Paul was mixing with people who had spent time with Jesus. He was mixing with people who had seen Jesus come, um, uh, uh, come back to life again. And had breakfast with him and had talked with him. And, and, and so Paul has this incredible insight into what Jesus' death means for people like you and me. And so he records this in a letter that he writes to a bunch of Christians who live in a place called Galatia, which is a region. So it goes to lots and lots of different people, this letter. And part of those implications of what Jesus did through the cross and his resurrection addresses the issue of who I can look to to discover if I'm okay, if I'm loved, if if I'm acceptable. And he addresses the way out for the comparison trap. So this is what he writes. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Now, this is a little bit confusing. If you're new to church, I recognize this. Uh, This is a strange concept. Uh, So let me help to explain it. You and I, when we were born... Even though we weren't aware of this, even though perhaps no one told us this when we were really little, we were born under the law. In other words, we were accountable to the law of God. And the law of God you will find laid out in the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible, but it's also placed in our hearts. Um, Let me um, uh, explain that you might well recognise the inner voice that says that you ought to do something whether you do it or not. Or you ought not to do something, and when you do it, there is this feeling of guilt inside. And people have tried to answer the question, where does that come from? Is, is that culture? Is, is that our parents' upbringing? Well, it would partly be both of those. But what Paul is saying is this, is that knowing right from wrong is actually from God. And it's because of the law of God that's written in our hearts, so when I was about um, 12, 13, I used to do a paper round in my village, and um, Saturdays was um, uh, collecting money day, uh, but there was also uh, the day in which um, people would put out money for the milkman. And so at the age of 13 and 14, when I wanted to increase my pocket money, I wouldn't just go to the milk mo- I wouldn't just go to the paper money that was left out. I would go to the milk money. Uh, And I would take that just to line my pocket. They called me Zacchaeus. No, they didn't. Um, uh, So I would take that to line my pocket. Now, I got to the point where I knew that what I'd done was wrong. And it wasn't just because mum and dad would kill me if they found out. I'm I'm letting you in gently, mum and dad, now. Okay, Uh, that's what I used to do. But why... It's because there is something inside of me that told me that stealing was wrong, that it didn't take my mum and dad to have to tell me. It went way deeper than that. And some of you here, or some of you watching, you will have asked the question at times what is wrong with me? Because you can't find, or you find yourself doing stuff that you know you shouldn't do, but you can't seem to stop yourself from doing it and I'll tell you why you ask that question it's because the law of God is on your heart and it shows that something is wrong with us now we do our best to cover it up we will numb it we will try and cover it with politeness and with smiles we'll appear as if everything's okay but deep down we know that something isn't right so what do we do we look to the right we look to the left to see how other people are doing, to judge ourselves in how we're getting on with life. And we look around at these others and we ask the question, are we doing okay? And if we match them or if we beat them, we will feel a little bit better. And if we don't, then we'll try and find someone who's lower than us. And the problem with this is that if we find someone who's richer or we find someone who's smarter what we discover if we get to know them that they're not okay either and that they have the same problems they live with the same insecurities because how can rich people be unhappy when they have everything they want it's weird isn't it how can good-looking people be insecure when they have the looks it's never troubled me that one how can gifted people feel inadequate when they're so talented and they could do so much, the answer is is that they struggle with the, "Am I doing all right?" exactly the same as you and me. Because there's this deep insecurity, and where does that insecurity come from? It comes from the fact that we were born into a world where we have been disconnected from God, a broken relationship. And that broken relationship causes an insecurity in our hearts. It goes to the very core of our souls. And that's why no matter what we have, what we do, who we know, where we've been, it doesn't fill the void of this broken relationship with God. And so we wonder, am I doing all right? And so Paul goes on to say this. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to law. God sent him, here he comes, to buy freedom. Or another word for that is to redeem for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. In Paul's time when he was writing this, to buy freedom or to redeem someone is something that people would do with slaves. And so if you imagine Dan down here, that Dan got into trouble because um, uh, he had big debts, it might well be that the people who he owes money to would say that if you can't pay, then you need to be sold so that I can get my money back. And so Dan would go into slavery. And it might be that Nigel thinks, I wouldn't mind having Dan as a slave of mine. And so he pays the money and Dan has to become a slave um, uh, to Nigel uh, and Nigel quite enjoying this because Dan has to do everything that Nigel says but it could be the case that Alan who goes to the market and sees Dan there he buys Dan not to be a slave but to set him free in other words that Alan pays his debts so that he goes free It's this financial term that's taking place. Uh, And this word redeem, or to buy back, it's to win someone back. It's to regain what's lost. It's to rejoin something that's been separated. It's to attach what's become untouched. That's the idea that's taking place here. So Sarah, my wife, um, she was going through her wardrobe her extensive wardrobe and um, uh, she's looking to see uh, what does she need to get rid of and so she realizes there's a pair of boots that she hasn't worn for quite a while and so she decides that she will put those in a bag and she'll take them to Stowmarket market and put them into um, uh, the charity shop two days later our daughter comes home from the charity shop she says I have got a bargain Four pounds, look at these, mum, as she holds up Sarah's boots that she'd handed off there. Sarah said, I could have given them to you. Now you see, what's happened, that Alice has to buy back. She has to buy back. It could have been given, but she has to buy back because Sarah had given them away. What Paul is saying here is that when Jesus came, when he came, he was sent by his father To do something extraordinary. He sent Jesus to buy us back. To buy us freedom for those of us who are slaves to the law. In other words, we no longer have to be trapped by, are we doing well enough here? Is this good enough here? How am I getting on with this? We we can be set free. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price for our freedom. It's Alan paying the price for Dan's freedom. That's what he's saying. There's this transaction that takes place. But it's more than a transaction. Because so many people think that, well, if you come to God, God will forgive us and we've got a ticket to heaven. Hallelujah. That's it. And it is so much more than that. Because what Paul is saying is that when God sent Jesus to make it possible... For us to be set free from this angst, this how am I doing? He does it by adopting us as his very own children. I tell you, adoption is such a familiar term to us. We all know people who will have adopted, or maybe some of you here have been adopted, so you understand this concept. You know, Sarah and I had the joy of seeing our friend Kate Dew- Dewsbury adopt little Annie. There was this long process she had to go through uh, before uh, being, um, uh, for for the two of them being put uh, together. Uh, And then we were invited to court, where the judge made the declaration that Annie was now legally adopted by Kate. It was such a special and moving moment. Because at that point, little Annie has all the rights all the legal rights, as if she was Kate's biological child. So when Paul wrote these words about us being adopted into God's family, this was revolutionary for many people, especially the Jews, because the Jews didn't do adoption. In fact, in Hebrew, there isn't even a word for adoption. So he was basing this on what he saw around him. And it was Romans who would do the adopting. Do you know what? I never knew this. But um, when we think of adopting, we normally think of adopting babies or small children. But in Rome, babies were never adopted. Do you know why? Because the Romans wanted to find out what they'd turn out like before adopting them. Now, if any of you are adopted, that's a scary thought, isn't it? As to whether you'd been adopted or not. And so the wealthy and the powerful would be watching to see... Which adults could become heirs once they'd find out how well they were getting on? So there was this religious ceremony, just like, in a sense, uh, we would have a ceremony. And the adopted child would immediately gain the rights of of being a biological child to that family. And what Paul is trying to do here, he's desperately trying to find the picture, the analogy, that helps you and me know something so so crucial that adoption is the best term that he can use that we belong to God that we are loved by God that we have been bought at a price by God to belong to him and listen to this this is what he says and because we are his children God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. So through Jesus, the broken relationship with God is restored. And that we are invited to relate to God, not as just our creator, not as this supreme being but as our heavenly dad. Which means that there needs to be no more insecurity anymore. There's no more need to compare. Why? Because we know that we are loved. We know that we have been accepted. We know that we have value placed on our lives because someone died for us and because someone has chosen to accept us just as we are. So who do perfect, just think of this, who do perfect parents compare their children to? Who? Who would a perfect parent compare their child to? No one. Because it's weird, isn't it, to compare your children to other people. And so a perfect parent would never compare their child to someone else. Why? They don't need to. Because they are loved they are accepted, they they are welcomed, they're adopted. So who does your heavenly father compare you to? Who? Do you know what the answer is? What's the answer? No one. Say it again. No one. Absolutely. God never compares you to someone else. Because you're already loved. You're already accepted. He views you as talented and loved and beautiful. Because that's what he's chosen to do through Jesus for you and I. So do you know what? My value is not based on whether the forge grows or not. Of whether we see more people doing Alpha and more baptisms. Now I desperately want those things to happen. But my value does not rest on that. If it does, I will give up now. And bad luck, I'm not going to. So, because my value doesn't lie in comparing myself to other people. My value lies in what God has called me. Do you know what? Your value is not found in your looks, how well you do at school, how many likes you get on Instagram. On Facebook or on Twitter, whether you have a great job or a poor job, whether you have a big house or a small house, whether you rent or own, whether you have a nice car or a bicycle, our value are not based on those things. And that if you want to break out of the comparison trap, just like I desperately want to, then take a look at this. You need to take your cue about you from the one who made you, who loves you, (coughs) And who's redeemed you? That's where we're gonna find peace. That's when the trap we can be released and we can be set free from it. Because if we take our cue about us from the one who has made us and who loves us and who's redeemed us, we will know for sure that we are valued beyond what we can even imagine. Now, as I said earlier, Many of us here already know this. The problem is is that you like me we don't live in the freedom of it. Which is why C.S. Lewis was right when he said people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. So some of us here we definitely feel trapped. And this morning God is wanting to set you free. He is He's wanting you to take your eyes off left and right and on our friends and and on other families and on other work colleagues. And he wants us to fix our eyes on our heavenly dad who loves us, who's made us, and who's redeemed us. And look what this verse says. Because we are his children, this is brilliant. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. That you and I, if we have already come to know God, God has put the Spirit of Jesus in you. Which means that no matter where you go, God says, I'm with you. Which says that whatever we face, God says, I will be with you through what you face. And when we feel weak, God says, well, I will be your strength. And when you start to feel rubbish... I'm able to whisper, I love you, I love you. And so we've got to stop looking around at others. And we've got to start focusing our attention on the God who made us, who loves us, and who's redeemed us. But there will be some of us here who have never discovered a relationship with God through Jesus. And I believe that today God will have brought you here to church because he wants to invite you into a relationship with him. He's done everything that's needed through sending Jesus to buy our freedom. So it just requires us to say, Jesus, you died for me so that I can be free. My past can be let go of and I can live in a new future in a relationship with my heavenly dad. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And when you pray that prayer, God's Holy Spirit will come to live in you. And you will start the most amazing relationship that I promise you can and will transform your life. Because we will be overwhelmed with the fact that God loves us. So I'm going to ask that we stand together, please. The comparison game is a trap, and we don't need to live in a trapped world anymore. So I want to pray for those of you who are already Christians, who have already started that relationship and have that relationship. And you just think, where have you been comparing yourself? What is it that's made you feel rubbish about your life? Who is it that's made you feel rubbish as you've compared your life to them? Because I think once we're able to identify that, we can do something about it. If you want to be free from the comparison trap, why don't you just put your, hold your hands out in front of you, just as a sign of wanting to receive. And I want to pray for you today. Jesus, thank you that despite being born under law, which reminds us, which reflects the fact that there is something wrong in our lives, Jesus, you stepped into our world. That you paid the price for our forgiveness and even more importantly, for our freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you, by your Spirit, are with us day after day and that we can know that we are loved by you. Lord, for every person who has been caught in that trap of comparison, Lord, would you today start to set us free, not just start, but set us free, that we don't need to look left or right anymore. Lord, we choose to look to you, our Heavenly Father. Thank you that you have made us that you love us, that you have redeemed us. Thank you that our value is found in you. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And fill us with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I just want to pray for anyone here who, as yet, doesn't have a relationship maybe you've you've come close before but you've kind of decided not to go for it and today God just wants to invite you again for you to be invited into his family to get to know a God who loves you more than you will ever realise again if that's you why don't you just hold your hands out in front and say Jesus I have lived with this struggle all of my life of wondering whether I'm good enough, wondering whether I'm matching up to what my life should be. But I choose to lay that down now as I receive your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. You paid the price for me to be free. And now, Lord, I want to ask that you would receive me into your family, that I can call you Abba, Father, this intimate, close name for you, Heavenly Dad. Lord, help me to know that my value is found in you, that I am loved by you, forgiven by you, set free by you. Receive your peace, receive your hope, and receive your life. Lord, I choose to accept you today. And I thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to keep this conversation going, so talk to us on our social media channels at Forge Church or look us up online at www.forgechurch.com. We'll see you next week.